you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, uh, folks. Chris Voss here from the thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, welcome to the big show, folks. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. Another episode of a great, beautiful show on a wonderful day in 2022. <laughs> there you go. You got to love it. So today we have an amazing author on the show. But in the meantime, as we approach our 13th anniversary, be sure to go to youtube.com for just Chris Voss. Subscribe to the YouTube channel over there. There's like 4,500 videos. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Voss, our big LinkedIn group newsletter and a group over there on the LinkedIn channels, if you will. And also make sure you further show to your family, friends, relatives, Tell them to join the family that loves you, but doesn't judge you. The best kind of family there is, some people say. I've had people that actually say that on the show. They're like, that is the best kind of family. And I've often thought to myself, hmm, I wonder what kind of family they have. But, you know, we've all been there. You can't choose your family. You're born with it. But you can choose the Chris Voss Show. That should be an added tagline we'll put on there. He's the author of the newest book that just came out July 2nd, 2022. How to Create a Million Dollar a Year Income. The Priceless Guide for Insurance Agents, Sales Professionals, and Anyone with a Big Dream. We all have big dreams. Mr. Nikki Blue is on the show with us, and Mr. Perry Wong is also the author of that book. As you look it up on the interwebs to order that up, and there'll be a link on the Chris Voss show as well. Nikki Blue, a.k.a. The Millionaire Maker, is the number one best-selling author of eight books, including Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion, The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life, The Power of Connecting, How to Activate Profitable Relationships by Serving Your Network, and How to Create a Million Dollar Year Income, the one we just mentioned before. And he's read over 4,000 books in genres from biology, history, fictional literature, self-help, health and fitness, poetry, business, sales, spirituality, and religion. Welcome to the show, Nikki. How are you? Chris, it's an honor to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an honor to have you as well, my friend. Honor to have you as well. So give us your .coms for people who can look you up on the interwebages and find out more about you. So finishlinethinking.com, ecircleacademy.com, thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, and Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y, 360.com. Those are the .coms. I've got a .ca as well, sovereignman.ca. So those are the various websites which kind of are me and all about me. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. Let's lead off with your book a little bit. Give us some deets as to what this book is about. Well, you know, I've been working with an amazing client of mine. His name is Perry Wong, and Perry is the number one insurance broker for his company in all of the country of Canada. Mm. And this is a man who has for the past several years, and he's one of my coaching clients, been making a million dollar a year income, a seven figure a year income. Mm. And he's one of about 11, 12 folks I've worked with that have made seven to eight figures a year in income as a result of working with me. And Perry 
has always wanted to write a book to share a story with people. And I love to write books. So we just got together one day and said, let's put a book together, showing people, no kidding, what it takes to create a seven figure income. And that's why the book came into being. And I'll give you a little bit of my own backstory. So I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I am a Christian from Iran. And back when I was a kid, there was something that happened in Iran called the Islamic Revolution. Okay. And we're Christians. And my late father, God rest his soul, was pre-signed enough to see the writing on the wall and say, this is not going to be a great place to raise my family anymore. We need to hightail it out of here. So what he did was he got us out of Iran and into Canada, into the free West. And I got to tell you one thing. So I am so grateful to my father for doing that. I thank God every day that I get to live in freedom. I know it's really fashionable these days to say America, the West, they're so oppressive, they're so racist, they're so sexist. That's a load of horse manure. This is the freest, most tolerant, most incredible place on earth. We're lucky to be here and everybody ought to get that. And the people that say otherwise are full of horse manure and nobody should listen to them. They should ridicule them and mock them into oblivion, number one, because it's freedom. It's the ability to engage in free expression, to engage in the free enterprise system that allows us to create a life and a business of our dreams. And my late father, he was an entrepreneur. And this man was a successful entrepreneur, a Christian in Iran. You know, despite all the prejudice against him, he still made success for himself. And this is a man who uplifted everybody, Chris. Man, he would like help you get your start in business. He'd help you find a job. He was also generous. He gave people things. And he would give people things like, you know, apartments, cars, and houses. And you're thinking to yourself, did I hear it right? Did he say apartments, cars, and houses? Yeah, that's what he did. And you're like, well, who the heck would do that? Well, my father would. Why would he do that? Well, number one, he did that because he was a Christian and he felt, you know, as the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is expected from. And he believed that he had an obligation to give. But the other reason that he did is because he could. He had the financial wherewithal to be able to do that. And so me being a young boy, I looked up to my dad. I go, I want to be just like that. I want to be an entrepreneur. So I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. And then I saw there's a lot of other entrepreneurs out there who were really good people, but they were suffering, man. They were hurting, you know? They just, they didn't want to come across as pushy or salesy. So they would back off. They didn't want to come across like they had commission breath. You know what I'm saying? So they'd back off and they wouldn't go out there and make the sales that they should. This would hurt them in their business, but also hurt their potential clients because those potential clients wouldn't get to work with these good people. And they'd end up working with some charlatan marketer who sold them sizzle and no steak. And so I saw this and I thought, wow, these people just, they don't want to sell, right? They think sales is a dirty word. And I go, let's help them reframe that. Let's help them not look at it as selling. Let's help them look at it as serving. Because nobody wants to be sold. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. But everybody wants to be served by caring advocates. So I've been in the business of helping people, you know, over time, reframe how they look at things from selling to serving and helping them to really stand out by having a really dialed in message. So they, they sound different. They don't sound like everybody else. If you ask them what makes you different, they don't say something like, I give great service. You know what I mean? I'm really good at what I do. Unlike all those other people, everybody says that. So you got to have something that really sticks to solving a problem for people. And that's really been 
you know, my focus in the world is been to make a difference for people by helping them become successful as entrepreneurs. Because I, I want to do what my dad did for people. I want to uplift people, man. That's what it's all about for me. That is awesome, man. And what a hell of a journey, too. I've got some friends that came from Iran, and of course, you wouldn't want to be there nowadays. What, when did, what year did you guys leave Iran? 1980. 1980. Wow. That was, that was, was, was that before? Was that during the, 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 it crisis? was right at the end of the revolution. Yeah. Was the revolution. Oh, wow. It happened in 79. The Shah left Iran yeah. in February 79. And then by, yeah. you know, by 1980, it was obvious as well, going to be a great place for us to continue to be in. So we left. Boy, you guys called it. <laughs> That's one of the things I've had. A, I, I have a few friends that left Iran, and and yeah, they they love their life here, and they and I think they still have family in Iran. But uh, yeah, it, it's sad. You know, the people there. You 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 look at them, and and you realize that you know the the people are are victim to a repressive government. And you know, you see pictures sometimes of what Iran or Afghanistan used to look like. Iraq back in the days of the 60s and 70s when it was seemed more, I don't know, people call it Western, but it seemed like more normal. And then you see the repression now. So you've put out this amazing book. You put out eight other books. Do you want to tease out those books or touch on them at all? Sure, man. So my first book was Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. I had the good fortune of working with a lot of top performers in a lot of areas. So I've worked with a couple of Olympic gold medal athletes in track and field, Donovan Bailey and Mark McCoy. My better half has set three Guinness World Records for running 12 hours on a treadmill. I've worked with the number one salesperson in the top real estate company in Canada. I've worked with the best of the best of the best. And, you know, I found something out. These folks don't think like everybody else. They think differently. They think like winners, right? And I've always been fascinated by what has somebody, you know, be successful and somebody maybe equally talented, maybe even more talented, not be successful. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that it's their mindset, the way they think. So finish line thinking is about having that mindset of a gold medal winning champion. I wrote that mm -hmm. book. That was my first book. It, it became a, you know, number one international bestseller in a whole bunch of different countries. And this book's been really great for me because it allowed me to be seen as an authority, as an expert, as a thought leader. And it's helped me earn millions of dollars, not from book sales, but from you know, people reading the book and becoming interested in how I could be of service to them inside their businesses. So that book helped me generate lots and lots of clients. So it's fantastic. So that's the first book that I wrote. You know, the second book I wrote was actually a children's book. So I got a couple of, of sons, you know, right now they're teenagers, but back then they were, you know, six, seven, eight years old. I wanted to write a book to teach them the principles of free market capitalism. So I wrote a book called Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmaker, which is all about this, this man and this woman, Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmaker, and how they go about creating jobs and creating businesses. It's a beautiful, fantastic book. Anybody who has little kids and believes in free enterprise should buy a copy of this book and read it to their kids. It's bedtime reading at night. That is awesome. Yeah, I, 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 if I had kids, I would have taught them entrepreneurism. I would have been like, you, you will have a business by eight or 10. You know, I had my little lawnmower business when I was, I think, seven, eight, nine. And then by 10, I was doing my own paper delivery routes, had my own route. And of course, it's, I was still doing the lawn business on the side. I think, you know, teaching entrepreneurism is just so important, especially to kids at an early age where they start that mindset of self accountability. And, and then being empowered to, to, you know, have control of their life where they're not just sitting around going, hope someone gets me a job. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hi, folks. Here's Voss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Do you want to touch on some of the other books? Sure. Then I wrote a book called The Thought Leader's Journey, a fable of life. And it's told in the form of a fable, just like Og Bandino's great books, like The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it's a fable about a fellow named Paolo who works in a big company. He doesn't want to, but he's too scared to go out there and take the leap into entrepreneurship. And this is the story of how he goes about doing that and all the, the principles and lessons that are important. So it's, it's a cool book, really, really does a really good job of showing you how you can build your own expert thought leader type business. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then after that, I wrote, I wrote another book called, you know, Power of Connecting. How to Activate Profitable Relationships by Serving Your Network. I wrote that with Kai Bjorn. Kai is the country director for BNI Canada. He's a former world champion sailor. And so this was a cool book that we wrote together. Then a political book with Wayne Allen Root, who was a 2008 candidate for vice president for the Libertarian Party. And it's called The Great Patriot Protest and Boycott Book, a priceless book oh. for Christians, conservatives, and Trump warriors on how to cancel cancel culture. Yeah, it's a pretty cool book. You know, that's actually my, my best-selling book to date. And then, then my latest book, How to Create a Million-Dollar-A-Year Income. Nice, nice. So you coach a lot of people, too, as well. I do, I do. Do you want to talk about your coaching business? Yeah, so, you know, I, I typically work with entrepreneurs. And one of the key areas of focus for us is working with folks who are coaches, consultants, corporate trainers, authors, speakers. People who have an expertise and one of the problems a lot of these folks have is they don't like to sell. They're like worried about coming across as pushy and salesy. So that's one of the things we do is we help them get past that. We help them reframe their mindset around that. So they go from struggling to make money to making wonderful amounts of money and still feeling good about themselves, feeling good about the way that they serve clients and the way that they enrolled them into their programs. So that's Mm kind of what we do. And another thing we help these folks do is to stand out because a lot of them, their messaging is just terrible. They're good at delivering, but they're not good at creating a message that attracts people to them. So we help them create a powerful message and position themselves as thought leaders. And that's what it's all about as far as we're concerned. You know, so if someone's listening to this and they're a service-driven entrepreneur and they've been doing decently, but maybe they're stuck on a bit of a plateau, that's a pretty cool thing for us to talk to them about how, how is it that you got started in business? What is your biggest problem right now? They'll tell us what that is. And then what, what, what have you tried to solve it and how well has it worked? Obviously not very. Mm -hmm. And then we'll tell them, you know, what's the impact of this on you? What are the consequences of you not having your business be where it needs to be? How's it making you feel? 
You know, is it having an impact on your relationship with your significant other, with your wife, with your husband? What's it doing to your ability to fulfill your dreams? Are you able to buy your dream home or have you had to put it off? Do you have to rent rather than own all that stuff? So we help them get clear on what the consequences of not living their dream life are. And then we put them in a place where, so are you ready to do something about it? Or do you want to keep paying these consequences? That mm -hmm. is how we help people. Awesome sauce. That's pretty brilliant. And then you have a podcast too. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm looking at the podcast site right now and there's a lot of great people you've interviewed on it. I think I'll be on it next week, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we interview thought leaders. We interview people who are, you know, experts, top people inside their field. And mm -hmm. the purpose of the podcast is to learn from these folks, from their backstory and their experience, how they went from you know, tragic to magic, how they created a wonderful business for themselves. And then we want our listeners to listen to them, to learn from them and to use what they learn inside their own business. And then we do two episodes a week. One's an interview. And then the second one is me just doing a solo episode. And that solo episode, I basically take a nugget in business mm -hmm. that could be helpful to those folks. So. One of the nuggets is take the attention off you, put it, put the attention on your, on your client. So we talk about that all the time, right? Other nugget is, um, you know, make sure that you're clear about who you help, clear about the problem you solve. Don't try to be all things to all people, those sorts of things. So that's what we put on the podcast and folks listen to it because they want to get value and they want to use it to become more successful instead of what they do. It's a awesome sauce. I'm going is. to. I'm going through some of the guests you have, and I recognize some of them. Here's Alex and Philip 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 yeah, from Podmatch. Uh, yeah, we use this service, yeah. pay for every month. It's it's a great service, and then a lot of other good people on how on how to make money and be successful. And you've been doing this for 20 years now, correct? The podcast, I or mean, just everything, everything people. you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, everything been on since 2016. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. 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 And the 400 episodes, almost. I think you're almost to 400, 400. Yeah. I see there. 396, yeah, yeah. 392. You're almost to 400. Congratulations. We're getting there, man. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't it amazing how, like, when you first start, like, uh, I remember when we first started the podcast, the Chris Foss show, and I was like, put up a post, put up another post. Okay. There's three up there. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, right. you're like, we got to make some content. And now you look back and you're just like, I can't feel my legs. What the hell happened? Like <laughs> thousands of pieces of content out there. And it just looks at it and grows. And you're just, you're just like, wow. I mean, I'm tired. I want to go take a nap. That was so much work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brother. Amen. That's pretty Amen. What are What are some other things maybe we haven't covered about you so that people can get to know you better? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of stories of some of the folks I've worked with, because, you know, for me, I think it's more more, uh, more important to talk about other people. Cause I think one of my mentors told me once that life isn't a numbers game. Life is a people game and business isn't a numbers game. Business is a people game. You got to be there to help the people. And after all, what is business? Business is about solving an acute problem for somebody for profit, but you got to solve the problem for a human being, you know? And to me, that's important. So Let's talk about me, more talk about the people. So I'll tell you a couple of stories. Um, a while ago, we had a lady who was the country director for one of the major personal development organizations that was a global organization. 
been around since the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, she brought on somebody to be her partner. And this fella and her just, you know, it didn't work. And she ended up leaving, not him. And she was floundering for about 18 months. She came started working with us. We helped her narrow her niche. We helped her get really clear on her message on who she wanted to help and how to do it. And once we did that, um, she started to make money. In her first month, she made 10 grand in profit. In her second month, she made 12 grand in profit. And in her third month, she made 18 grand in profit. But in her fourth month, Chris, she made $62,200 in profit. That Mm -hmm. figure will become germane in a moment. That's a lot of money, right? In a month. That's mm-hmm. for some people, that's a year <laughs> worth of income. That's right? true. Yeah. Some people. It's yeah, a year. So, yeah. So, so anyways, she lives in Ottawa and I live in Toronto, five hours drive apart. I have a, mm-hmm. a son who was 12 at the time. He's 16. Now he plays high level soccer and he had a tournament in Ottawa. So I drove my son Ottawa and I called her up and I said, Hey, you got a son, my son's age. You, you want to get together with us when the tourney's over? Let's have some lunch on our way out of the city. And she said, sure. And so we did that. We spent an hour or so with them and then we drove home. And a few weeks later, she came to Toronto for our quarterly branded thought leader immersion workshop. And mm-hmm. there's a part of that where I do a, an enrollment for new people to enroll them into our, our year long program. And I don't usually do the enrollment piece myself. I ask people to come and share their, their thoughts. So she said, okay, let me come on. I'd like to come on. So she bounded on the stage and proceeded to cry. And like any red blooded man faced with a crying female, I panicked. <laughs> and so I, would I just, I just said, what, what, why is she crying? What did I do wrong? And then she looked at me and said, Nikki, between sobs, you didn't know this, but when your little son and my little son came to me, I, I, you know, when you called me, I told my little son, asked me, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? And she says, oh, we're going to go meet Nikki Baloo and his son. Oh, wow. And she said, oh, mommy, are we going to meet the man who saved our family? And Chris, I just, I looked at her, I started a ball. Look, Chris, I'm a man's man. I'm an alpha male. You know, I don't cry in public, but I started a ball and, you know, we hugged and between sobs, she said, you didn't know this, but we were about to lose everything. The bank was foreclosing on our home. My husband and I were fighting. We were, we were about to, you know, possibly break up our family and, you know, working with you saved our family. Oh, wow. And every single time I get to work. I think about her, I think about her family wow. and I ask myself, you know, God, will you send me someone else like her? Yeah. Will you send me one of your flock who needs a warrior, a champion to mm-hmm. sit down with them, grab them by the hand and help them win? Cause that's why I do what I do, you know? And it, it was, it was, it was awesome and it is awesome. And that's what animates me every day, you know? So that's one story. That is awesome. You know, I, I, when I was, <clears throat> when I was writing my book last year, I was hitting kind of hitting the wall of burnout because I crammed it in like three, three months. And I, 
I was complaining about online or something like that. Just I think I was at the point where I was doing the 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 Nicholson all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I was pretty much at that yeah, where yeah. I was typing that pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I, I think I was starting to talk to voices and shit in my head, which are different because normally there's you know just other voices in my head, but you know that thing. But uh, she said to me one time, she goes, you know, there's somebody out there that needs you to write this book, and they're waiting for you to write it. And they need to hear your message. And you, this book isn't about you. This book is about the message you're going to share with somebody that really needs this message right now. And your message is going to come at the perfect time that they need it. You're going to touch them at the perfect time that they need it. I had another author on the show who talked about it where she, you know, just wrote books. I don't think there were anything spectacular. I think there were novels or just historical novels. But she wrote books. And then one day at a book signing, she met a, a, a woman who'd come out of prison. And she told her about how all the women in the prison had her books in their library and were using them to lift themselves and inspire themselves and to make better plans for their future once they got out. And so she keeps a picture of of that woman at her writing desk in the orange jumpsuit that she sent her. And so she focuses on, I'm writing for this person. And it was really powerful, The you know, because obviously I was being in a very selfish place, but being in a place where you're like serving other people, being a place of gratitude, you know, just makes all the difference. And, you know, there's two times on Twitter where we used to have a feed during, on Twitter that would go into our Twitter accounts. It would just do quotes and it was totally random. It was all automated and it would just pump quotes, quotes into my Twitter between whatever I decided to say. And two times over 10 years, we had, I had someone write me privately and say they were going to commit suicide that day. That was, that was, that was the day they decided that this is done. And for some reason, those tweets that I put out in a completely random manner touched them and inspired them not to kill themselves. And I've had two people tell me over 10 years. And you just, sometimes you just don't know, like you, the beautiful story you had there where you don't know how much of a difference you make in someone's life. And, and that's probably more important as to why we should do what we do and share and, and try and inspire and help other people. So that's a beautiful Amen, story. Amen, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Amen, brother. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a story for you. Yeah. There, there, there was a young man who came to work with us, and he was in his mid-20s. He was a personal trainer, and he was having a hard time getting clients. He had like seven clients. You know, he was making $1,800, uh, $1,500 a month. He had to borrow money from his mom and dad so he could make rent and eat every month. You know what oh. I mean? Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about that. That's pretty wild. So he started to work with us and said to him, look, man, who do you work with? And he goes, oh, I'll work with anybody. And that's the worst thing you can say in business. I'll work with anybody. <laughs> and that, that basically means you're, you're, you have no value and nobody wants you. Exactly. He said, look, you got to go figure out, you know, you got to narrow your niche. Right? So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll start working with doctors. Doctors are great. The only reason he picked doctors is because they had money. And mm-hmm. obviously that was not compelling to doctors. So he didn't really do too well with that. So then he said, okay, I'll narrow my niche even more. I'll work with cardiologists. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out. And then all of a sudden he started working with this one dude who was a Paralympian. He uh, had a childhood accident and his, his leg had been cut off when he was a, a little boy and oh, wow. he came to me and he said, 
oh my God, I, I love working with this guy. He says mm-hmm. he really needs me and I'm, I'm, I'm really moved by helping him. It's like an honor to, to work with him. And wow. anyways, long story short is he said, I think I want to work with people with missing limbs. I'm like, okay, nobody went after people with missing limbs. It wasn't like a big market for personal trainers and so forth, right? Yeah. And we're talking about people who had childhood accidents, people who'd been born without a limb, people who had served in the military and, you know, been wounded in combat, like that kind of person, right? Yeah. Forgotten people. And bro, he signed up 400 clients in six weeks. Oh, wow. 400. He couldn't do one-on-one training anymore with that many clients, obviously. He had to like on the fly come up with like, you know, some sort of online whatever program. And he went from making 1500 a month to making 15000 a month. Wow. And more in 20 and 30. And why? Why? Because... He came from his heart and wanted to genuinely serve uh, people that needed him. And his message to this particular group of people was, I'm going to train you hard. You are going to work out. You are going to be, you are going to be like a physical beast. You can work out just as hard as anybody else. There's no reason why you can't. And Mm -hmm. you imagine if someone had a missing limb, imagine, put yourself in there in their metaphorical shoes. They probably are, you know, feeling a little down on themselves. Mm -hmm. They probably are thinking that their life isn't, can't be as good, as rich as someone who has all their limbs. They definitely can't work out hard like someone who has all their limbs. Yeah. And they probably are beating themselves up unknowingly or maybe even knowingly. That's like, it's a horrible thing, right? Yeah. And, this man's message to them on the surface of it was, I'm going to train you. We're going to work out. But the deeper message was, I love you. You're awesome. And you're a wow. badass. And I'm not going to let you forget it. Wow. And Chris, like, that's how come this guy just made a crap load of money. <laughs> you know, you know that's, that's the thing I love about being an entrepreneur. You, you, you solve a problem. You fix something. And you, you create something. And sometimes you're just solving your own problem where you're just like this this, this, this paperclip doesn't work right. This could be designed better. I can think of a better way. You know, you're always making the widget better in service. You know, you're doing something like what you, what you talked about. And, you know, let me ask you this, cause you kind of give me the epiphany that, you know, when we're, or acting in the service of others, when we can enact that passion for something that really motivates us to help other people because you know a lot of people i'll be a lot of people that be like hey i want to be an entrepreneur okay what do you want to do i don't know i just want to be an entrepreneur why so you can make money well that's not (laughs) it's not really how it works you gotta you gotta serve people you gotta come up with a concept you gotta sell something you know and you gotta kind of find whatever it is you you're good at that people will buy product or service but I think when you find something that has that power behind it of your passion of, of, of wanting to, to really help people, you know, that makes all the difference in the world. When I had my companies, I talked about this. When I had my companies, I was just an investor. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in, in, in like, I didn't have a love for a career company. I didn't have a love for a mortgage company. I didn't, I love the white collar aspect of it, but I I looked at everything as an investor. 
And as we built our empire of companies, I really had a hard time with motivation and just, 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 I, cause I didn't love what I did. I didn't care about it. I'm just like, I, it's, it just, it's a business that makes a profit. It was a widget. It was a product. It was, I, I just didn't give a shit about it. A lot of, and a lot of entrepreneurs, God bless them. They, they, they find a business they love and they love it and they build it. And that's their child. And mine were children to me, but, but they, I didn't love them. <laughs> And so when you don't love something, uh, you end up hating it, which is probably describes my first nine marriages. The, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And so people used to, and it used to just crush me. People would come into my office and they'd be like, you know, it's so great that you're an entrepreneur. You found what you love to do and you do it. And I'm like, I don't fucking love any of this. And then people would say to me, well, what do you love to do? And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't have a fucking clue. How sad is that, that I make all this money and have all this success, whatever. And I, I'm unhappy, miserable, and everyone hates me. No matter how, the more money I make, the more people hate me pretty much. And, and yeah, it was, it was, it was just a horrible place to be. And, you know, trying to search for something that I really loved and enjoyed serving and helping other people. So I think, you know, from what you've talked about with your stories is when you can really, especially with that gentleman who helped people with limbs, when you can really help people and your passion, you know, that comes out of you, you know, you're not just sitting there going, I want to make a buck, you know, and, and people can feel that they can be inspired by that. And you can really touch people in a way that you can't otherwise touch. Hundred percent, man. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. You know, like I said, like my mentor said, this is a people game. It's not a numbers game. It's not a money game. It's a people mm -hmm. game. And if you look at it that way, you'll be a lot more fulfilled. Listen, I understand being an investor and just putting your money in and wanting to get a return. That's cool. And there's aspects to being an investor. It can be fun. You can have a lot of passion for you know, creating something good and success for yourself and your family and jobs and all that jazz. I just think that it's so much more fulfilling, man, if you tie it to a purpose bigger than self. Because if your purpose is I want to make money for me and mine, it ain't enough, man. It ain't enough. It's yeah. not going to drive you forever. It's going to make you miserable, like you said, and you're going to hate yourself and other people are going to hate you and all that jazz. But if you're doing something because it's a good idea, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, totally yeah. so I, I'll tell you another story. I have this client, right? His name's Steve. Steve's a relationship coach for men, right? And he specialized in working with dudes in distress. Who's like wives and said, bye-bye, get out of here. And you think about this, right? Like, you know, I can do a little bit of that myself just because I went through a rough divorce. So I, I got a little program I do called make your life great again. But I was helping Steve because what Steve did saved marriages, saved families, saved lives. But yeah. Steve was nervous about charging what he was worth. So he charged this ridiculously low amount of money, like wow. 90 bucks for a, an hour and a half session. So I, I like said, Steve, man, look, you're saving lives, man. You got to charge based on the value of the solution. How much is it worth to save a marriage? Well, the average marriage in the United States cost $150,000, average divorce, excuse me, $150,000. Is that true? $150,000. Wow. And on top of that, there's all the emotional distress. 
<laughs> on you, on your kids. And that's, you know, you can't put a number on that. Right? You can't, you can't, especially you can't, when you run right? into parental alienation, yeah. which happens a lot. Oh, it's huge. And huge. The, the kids are kept from the dad. Yeah. No, it's messed up, man. I run a men's organization, bro. Sovereignmen.ca. That's why I told you about that. Like I'm all uh-huh. about serving the men and fact when you and i are done i gotta grab a quick bite and then we're doing a we're doing a zoom call tonight with the men so the deal is that steve undercharged so i made him double his prices immediately and that was still not enough so i made him double them again okay a funny thing happened these men who were broken and hurting and you know some of them contemplating suicide like you said started signing up with him in ever increasing numbers well why would they do that why would they pay four times the price? And why would more people pay four times the price? Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris Voss, because, because people value something that they're invested in okay. while they don't value something they're not invested in. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, listen, let's say you wanted to grow your business just as a, now, I've got all these books I've written, and you can buy them for 20 bucks a piece. If you buy all my books, you spend $160. Let's say you read them all, right? Mm-hmm. In my experience, with the thousands upon thousands of people that have read my books, not one has only read my book and become a millionaire or added a million bucks to their income. Not one. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, of the people that have paid me tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars to work with me, you want to guess what percentage of those have made several hundred thousand to tens of millions of dollars out of working with me? Probably 90, I don't know, 95%, 100%. Well, it's not that high, but it's over 60%. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's got to be good, though, because... You know, the, one of the challenges of books is people buy a book and they think they get the knowledge from assimilation. Like, I'm guilty of that. I have like 50,000 audiobooks that I bought over the years. And I'm like, yeah, I get to read that one. And then I buy another one. And I'm like, yeah, I get to read it. You know, it's like if, if, if the book is near me, like here's a book, you know, I'm being assimilated by the knowledge. It's coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So. Buddy Steve started to help more people make more money, which is good for him. But more families didn't break up because of this, bro. More children didn't grow up having to shuttle between two homes. Yeah, more. that's awesome. Fewer men killed themselves because of the horrific pain of divorce and feeling like a loser or failure. Yeah. Brother, what I did is I saved lives, bro, by helping this man charge more and, and earn what he's worth. I saved lives, bro. Lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Think did. I that, mean, man. men, men kill themselves either outright in depression after divorces and losing access to their kids. Six times the weight, six times the weight of women, bro. Six, six times, times the weight of women. And then if they don't do it by killing themselves in suicide, they do it by drugs, alcohol. You know, we don't go, or as men, we're really bad at going to the doctor, depression, you know, that kills us off. And a lot of that doesn't get tracked very well because of, because of how long sometimes it takes to kill us off. But a lot of that's, it's really there. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of friends that have, you know, had the parental alienation game played with them and they can't see their kids, but you know, they always get the child support that always gets collected from the state, but there's no laws that, 
that force, you know, hey, should share custody. It's it's his weekend. You gotta you gotta do it. And it's it's pretty sick. Some of the things that are out there that people do to to hurt someone that is actually very destructive to their own children. So it's yeah. absolutely horrible. And yeah. as a man, what makes a man man are two things. Number one is he's got to keep his word. I know there's a lot of folks out there these days and there's all kinds of videos put out there by guys, you know, like Andrew Tate and Rolo Tomasi and all these guys. And there, you know, there's a lot of good to what they say, but I never hear them talk about the importance of a man keeping his word. They talk about strengthen your mindset, strengthen your body, go make money, blah, blah, blah. All that's well and good, but they never talk about keep your damn word. Keep your damn word. That's what makes a man a man. You are, if you are, if your word is count honorable to you and others, you're a man. If it's not, you're not. So I'll give you an example. If in your head you tell yourself, I'm going to get up at six o'clock tomorrow and you get up at 630, you can keep your word. What happens when you don't keep your word? You lose faith in yourself. You lose faith in your word. Mm -hmm. You become mentally weaker because Mm -hmm. you didn't keep your damn word. Chris, and because you didn't keep your damn word, your belief, your self-belief goes down. You become mm-hmm. a beta male cuck, a soy boy. And mm-hmm. you're, you may have like big dreams to say, oh, I'm going to be a multimillionaire. I don't believe that anymore. You don't believe that mm-hmm. because you didn't believe yourself when you said six o'clock and you did 630. Or yeah. when you told that, that person you were going to be there at eight and you were there at 815. You don't believe yourself anymore. Or if you were no show to the meeting entirely, you got to fix all those and you got to keep your word. So to me, the number one thing I teach men is keep your word. Definitely. That's definitely. It. What's keep the, your word. what's the, the website for that again? Sovereignman.ca. Sovereignman.ca. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry for cutting you off there. No, 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 bro. It's all good. The second thing, the second thing that a man's got to do is take 100% ownership for everything, even the shit that he didn't do. So I'll tell you this right now. If your ex-wife is not letting you see your kid, don't blame her. Blame you. Blame you. Why do I say that? There's no power in blaming her. You gave all your power to her if you blame her. You, Mm -hmm. You said, oh, she's so powerful. She's made my life miserable. No. She has decided to make you suffer because of how you were with her. Like it or not, that's a fact. She's decided to make you suffer. Okay. Now you can squawk about it and blame her and go, what an evil, horrible person she is. Okay. And if I tell you the story of what happened in my, you know, separation, divorce initially, which I'm not going to do right now, you'd be horrified, horrified. But I turned that crap around. And right now me and my ex have a great relationship. She that came on vacation with me and the kids and my new lady twice. Oh, twice. wow. Wow. So think about that, right? Now, That's was it a bit beautiful. better if we didn't break up? Absolutely. I fought hard to keep us together, but she didn't want to stay together. And at some point, you know what? You got to accept no for an answer. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, but the fact of the matter is you got to take ownership for that. And yeah, she's behaving in whatever way she's behaving, but how can you take ownership? There's a great book called Extreme Ownership, written by Jocko Willink and Lace Dabbin. I read that book and I had the men in our community read it a couple months ago. It was the book of the month, mm-hmm. right? And that book is all about you taking extreme ownership of everything. And I read that book and I'm like, I don't take enough ownership. 
And I take ownership more than most dudes, but I don't take enough ownership. I'm a wuss when it comes to taking ownership. And right now, I want to be better at taking more ownership of more things. Definitely. I mean, that's the beauty of a man. We ourself our ability to uh, be self-accountable and and you know we live in the real world with logic reason et cetera, et cetera. well this has been an interesting discussion anything nikki anything more you want to tease out on uh, what we do before we as we round out the hour so two things man someone's listening to this show and they're a man and you know they're feeling like they are wanting to step up their game as a man they want to be sharper better in all areas of life they want to be able to keep their word better and they know their word is pretty crap, then they should come to sovereignman.ca, check out what we do there. So that's number one. Number two, if you're a business owner and your business right now is not where you want it to be, you need to be honest with yourself about that and you want to change that, you should go to my website, ecircleacademy.com and click on the book of success call button. Do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Jump on a call and say, Nikki, my business ain't where I want it to be. How can I fix it? And we're going to have an honest conversation about how to do that. That's it. There you go. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. I definitely love the silver man thing, especially, you know, it's, it's it, it, so many, it, the last couple of generations, I was fortunate to be raised by an alpha father. And so many of these, these last two generations have been really weakened. And, you know, I see the simps that are out there that, you know, they, they, they like every woman's post on, on Instagram or whatever, and they're sending them money and DMs and, you know, the rise of OnlyFans. And I'm just like, and they, they think that somehow that will work for them. You know, and I grew up in an age where you, you go cold contact with a woman and walk up to her and pitch her and hit on her and get her phone number. And, you know, you dealt with rejection sometimes, but if you were good, if you had good game, you, you get it. And so I just don't understand sending a woman, you know, 50 million DMs every day. Like, I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, close, you know? And, you know, take her on a date. <laughs> you should definitely do that, honestly. But basically, if you're the kind of man who hasn't got what it takes to go approach a woman who's scared or nervous, my advice to you is stop trying to date. Start becoming a man of substance and value, yeah. right? Andrew Tate talks about a man's got to be a man of value. I 100% agree with him on that. The number one thing that makes you a man of value to yourself is you give your word, you keep your word. Give your word, you keep your word. Get good at that. You get good at giving your word and keeping your word. You'll get good at making money. You'll get good at making things happen and being successful. Yeah. And women, women, the, the laws of hypergamy state that women appreciate winners they appreciate alpha men they don't want nice simps so yeah. when a woman is around a man who keeps his word he doesn't have to open his mouth he doesn't have to be good looking he doesn't have to be fit with rock hard abs he could be old and fat i knew this dude back when i was in my 20s and in my 20s i was a physical beast you know i was ripped and but i didn't have all that much confidence in myself and this dude ron he had mondo confidence in himself he was old fat bald and this was a man who always kept his word like zero exceptions i'm telling you there were like the young and beautiful women and he he he, he was the manager of the mailroom or whatever the director of all that there'd be women like 
because I, I, I was a low level dude and I'd, I'd go in the mailroom and, you know, him and I would chat and I'd see these young hotties. Okay. That I, I just would look at him and I'd just get nervous and scared because I wanted to approach him and I didn't have the balls to do it back then. And they would just go to him and they would just like, hey, hey. they were trying to like get him to take them to bed. Like mm-hmm. he was a married man. He wasn't going to do that. Right. But like, it was hilarious watching them throw themselves at this old, fat, confident, bald man, yeah. <laughs> you know, and women, and women, women have an innate ability to sense value and men don't realize that they really don't. And women don't. see, when, when women see a man walk into a room, they, they, they measure him up almost immediately. And they know whether he's valuable, whether he's confident, whether he can command a room. They they have an innate ability to sense that, whether they even realize it or not. And men don't realize that. And when you're simping and sending 15 messages a day to a woman, you know, some girl in Miami or something, that, you know, you're never going to be able to date her. You know, you, you're just wasting your time. So, Listen, man, I'm funny. 55 years old. I'm in a wonderful, committed relationship with a beautiful lady, right? But if I were single right now, I'm telling you, I'd do a lot better than the, the 20 year old version and the 25 year old version of me ever would. And it's pretty nice. It's like a culture yeah, out here. Yeah. Oh, no, not for that reason, but I'm just saying I would be, I would be, I would be doing better because I don't care. And yeah. I just, I just go and do my thing. You, you yeah. know what I mean? And if her, if, if a female liked it, great. And if she didn't, great. Yeah. Like I, I just know, I, I look at myself now. I don't want to be single. I, I love my woman. I love being with her, but I, I just like, I look at these young dudes and how they act. And I go, dude, you know what you're doing. Man. Yeah. I, I, they, they got to go through it. That's who I was. I was a, I was a, a man who lacked confidence in mm-hmm. himself as a man when I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. I just did, yeah. you know, it's really easy to stand out too. Yeah. yeah I, I dated because, you know, I still took action. And mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was like a fit, good looking young man, you know, but that, that dude was just, and, and he is, he is 10 times the man most young men today are. And, and that's, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Being able to play dark triad traits helps as well. So fun is fun, man. It's been wonderful to have you on the show, Nikki. Thank uh, thanks for coming on. Give me your dot com so you can find them on the interwebs again. The best one is eastcircleacademy.com. And the mm-hmm. second one, sovereignman.ca. Let's let's just have folks go to those two main ones. There you go. There you go. Check it out, guys. A wonderful discussion today with Nikki. Order up his newest book if you want, and all of his books actually. How to create a million dollar a year income: the priceless guide for insurance agents, sales professionals, and anyone with a big dream. Came out. It came out July second, twenty twenty two. So if you're watching this ten years from now. You'll know. Yeah, you don't, 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 don't put comments on my videos that say, dummy, that was 10 years ago. They do that all the time. It's really annoying. But so be sure to order up his book and see it wherever fine books are sold. To my audience, further share your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, all the places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time. Awesome.